Hi everyone, welcome back to Astrology and You. Yes, we're so excited. Today we're talking about difficult relationship placements in your birth chart. So if you feel like maybe you're always single or even if you are in relationship, but maybe conflict always tends to bubble up, this episode will be really, really helpful for you. Yeah, and I definitely have most of these placements that we're talking about, so you're not alone. And this episode was inspired um, last week for some research I'm doing for something I'm working on. I was like, okay, how many people DM me your birth chart info if you feel like you're always a single friend, you're always having trouble dating, but you're really picky, and literally got over 500 responses. So so wild. Yeah, so I feel like there's something to this, um, and we want to talk about exploring difficult relationships stuff in your birth chart so you can better understand how to work with that. Yeah. So this isn't looking at synastry. It's like literally just taking a step back and bringing more self-awareness to what those patterns are, habitual responses that you can kind of like work with to create more ease in that area of your life. Because I feel like a lot of the time there's this like societal pressure, like you've got to be on dating apps. You have to be putting yourself out there. You have to do this. And it's like, maybe that just isn't what you need to be doing. And that's where the birth chart really comes into play. Like that might work for some people, but maybe if you don't feel like that's working for you, there's something else. Oh yeah, totally. Like, and that totally shows up even just in our different Mars placements, Alice. I was just immediately thinking of that. Like I'm Aries, so I need to put myself out there more and be more aggressive about it and assertive, whereas you have Mars and Cancer. So like, just as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, But also, we have kind of an unexpected announcement. Um, (laughs) This will be our last episode for a little while because we, I mean, it is kind of sudden, but it's for a really good reason. We're creating something so, so incredibly special. So um, we just need to take a little pause from the podcast so we can come back stronger and have an offering for you guys. Yeah, we'll probably be we'll probably be back like late summer, early fall with the podcast, but you're really going to love what we're working on and we just really need time to focus on just that. Podcasting surprisingly takes up a ton of time. I didn't realize that. Me neither. <laughs> but yeah, like Alice said, it'll be totally worth it. And we like our hearts are so in it. So like, oh my gosh, I just want to share with you guys right now, but it will be worth the wait. And of course, we'll still be on Patreon with our monthly workshops and our regular like horoscopes based on your rising sign for the month. So if you are a Patreon member, you want to become one like that will still be there. Um, Our next workshop that we're doing, we're going to record it in a week or two like end of closer to the end of the month um we'll be on outer planets identifying those in the birth chart and like what they may mean based on their placements in different areas of the chart so if you want to know more about outer planets definitely join patreon yes so keep it keep in touch with us there and also of course on instagram as well because we'll probably be doing some announcements there Mm mm-hmm Okay, so let's jump into the transits for this week ahead. Um, The big thing is that there's that new moon in Cancer, and um, it when you're listening to that, when you're listening to this episode, it will have already happened, but the new moon energy of that fresh beginning and fresh start, um, it kind of lingers for the first two days really strongly after. So it was exact Friday evening, but you're still feeling it really big when you're listening to this, and it continues waxing and kind of like gaining momentum. So you're building on the changes and intentions you set now for the next two weeks. Yeah. So that new moon would have been late July 9th, the night of July 9th. Um, We're recording this on July 11th or sorry. No, sorry. We're not recording this. It's coming out July 11th. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. So always waxing phase going into the next week ahead and the week after like a lot more activity and building upon stuff. So this is a great time to go on a first date, get stuff off the ground, really work towards new ideas, like really go after anything, any goals you're having for yourself. Yeah. And also just because the new moon was in cancer, broadly like a big theme of this is home and family and emotionally nurturing yourself and kind of like finding what do you need emotionally to carry you through the upcoming weeks like what changes can you make to better nurture yourself or even improving your relationships with your family or improving your home in some way so it is more comforting and nurturing to you Mm -hmm. 
And also, um, to go along with that, Mercury's also moving into Cancer today, July 11th. Um, I think it has a pretty quick stay in Cancer. It's spent oh, it's been over two months in Gemini, so this is finally Mercury changing signs. It's been in Gemini since early May. Yes, yeah, so this is like a shift from like all this like flurry of like interacting with people, like doing a ton of activities, really being social, to directing your thoughts and like where you're communicating more internally, like. How are you processing your emotions more or like talking about your feelings more in depth or like, um, yeah, just really facing your inner self rather than like trying to connect with all these random people, which like definitely was the vibe since (laughs) early May, like COVID restrictions suddenly lifting really fast, getting out there. And now it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of burned out. Let me like turn inwards. Mm, I like that. And also, too, with it having been in my first house for so long as a Gemini rising, um, I just feel like some people might relate to you having tons of ideas, like Alice, you were saying, a flurry of them. And now it's kind of settling what ideas actually are going to be viable, like long term. What do you want to kind of commit to? That's a really good point, because I do feel like Gemini is so scattered sometimes. And so this is more like, okay, what's actually necessary to focus on? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, and it'll be, it'll move on to Leo further in July. So this is really quick, Mercury and Cancer. Um, Also going on, which I'm really excited about, is Venus and Mars are going to meet up in, are going to meet up exactly in Leo um, this week. And the moon's actually going to be in Leo too on July 11th and 12th. And then Venus and Mars conjunction will go exact in Leo on July 14th. So a lot of Leo energy this week. That's like really fun and playful, like definitely really good, especially if you are like Leo rising, Aquarius rising, um, Leo sun or like a fixed sign, a lot of fixed sign energy in your chart. Like this is a good time to really put yourself out there, get new stuff off the ground and also date. Like this is such a romantic energy and really good for forming relationships. Mm, I love that so much. And so even if you are in a relationship too, maybe just bringing some fresh life into that and going on a date together, or like really prioritizing your relationship. Yeah. I need to make a TikTok about that. This is like really good. Like this is, <laughs> if you're like a Leo rising, like this is your time to like date. It's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so really fun energy to come this week. And um, hopefully that was helpful. Let's get into the topic, though. We're so excited about talking about this topic. Relationships is something Alice and I are obsessed with talking about. Yeah, like this, I think I've said it before, this is like really why I got into astrology was having my relationship and my dating pattern so perfectly explained for me, like honestly way more effective than any therapist has ever been, was just understanding my chart in relation to relationships. Um, So we're going to go through like four different categories of ways, maybe more difficult relationship aspects show up in the chart. It has a lot to do with like outer planets and also specific signs. Um, So do you want to kick it off with like Saturn? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So I think even Saturn basically as a planet is the planet of a lot of restrictions and also a lot of kind of hard lessons in life. And so, you know, I feel like from that perspective, when you do see Saturn in a relationship house, like the fifth house, the seventh, the eighth, especially, um, you might kind of just feel that Saturn weighs on you heavy or kind of creates a traditional almost rule book for, oh, I have to do this in a relationship or on the third date, this, you know? And so if you do have Saturn, you might tend to take your relationships either really traditionally, if you have Saturn in those houses, or also you might feel like, you know, your relationships are a little bit weighed down by taking them so seriously, like right off the bat. Yeah. And so this can appear, this kind of mentality towards dating can appear if you have Saturn connecting to your Venus or moon. So like Saturn conjunct Venus or moon or Saturn opposite these, or even trying, honestly, like even an easy aspect would give you some of these qualities. Saturn, I think like you said, Maxine, Saturn in the fifth, seventh, eighth house. And then also because Saturn rules Capricorn, having the Venus, having your Venus or moon in Capricorn. Um, I notice with any of these, maybe just like a more delayed 
start to relationships. Like it's either, there's kind of two ways this can go. It can either be someone that gets in a relationship pretty young and they tend to stick with that relationship for their whole life. Like it's like, they just like take that commitment so seriously and there's, they are so willing to put in more work and like stay committed to that person that the relationship goes on forever. Um, or it's that it really takes a while for that person to gain enough maturity and confidence in relationships. And it's often until like the Saturn return or beyond that they actually have success with dating. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. Cause it kind of can show up in those two seemingly different ways but I feel like the root of that is Saturn is such a planet of karma so when it comes to being placed in a relationship house or an aspect to the Venus or moon it's almost like there's a big lesson there in overcoming like limitations inhibitions doubts in yourself um and like kind of learning to be a partner or to be in a partnership and like uncovering what it is you truly want and deserve And another thing, I guess, with Saturn is, like, there's a lot of fear surrounding relationships. If you have, like, these Capricorn, Venus, Moon, or Saturn and aspect to these, um, like, all those aspects I just talked about. Um, Yeah, just, like, needing to follow, like you said, Maxine, specific rules. Like, I can't text this person first. I can't sleep with them until this date. Like, having these really strict rules that almost doesn't allow any leeway for, like, a real emotional connection to develop because you're so focused on like what can I do what can I do and like I feel also with Saturn stuff it's like a fear of reaching out to people and getting rejected so often I mean I have this aspect I have Saturn in the seventh house and it's like I did not text my boyfriend first until he asked me to be his girlfriend so for over a month of dating (laughs) he always had to be the person to text me first because it's like this huge fear of rejection yeah yeah, no, that's like such a good example too. And and I do want to say like though if you do have Saturn with any of these in the any of these houses or aspects like we mentioned, it's not to say that like you're doomed in love at all. Like actually there's a great quality there of staying power of like commitment to a relationship like Alice mentioned. So it it kind of does show especially if you have Saturn in the 7th house for example or the 8th or the 5th. Like there's definitely some fear to kind of work through but once you do you unlock this incredible staying power and commitment in your relationships and also just knowing like you do take relationships seriously so it's kind of hard to like trick yourself into like oh I can be casual because I just like feel like with Saturn and Capricorn around the relationship parts of the chart it's like you're only dating to get married I find that a lot yeah (laughs) like it's like is this person marriage potential no okay bye like there has to be an end goal because like it's so much about structure and like what am I working towards with Capricorn and Saturn yeah and in that sense Saturn in those placements just it gets so much easier to be in relationships as you get older because the reality is like as you do get older more people are looking for those longer term commitments and they're not playing games like they're not trying to date around like typically when they're older so I feel like that's kind of your time to shine once you've gone through your Saturn return around age 30, for example. Not that you can't before then be in relationships, but things kind of take off and get easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I'm like the perfect example of that. Like, I had never been in a relationship that had lasted longer than like four months. And suddenly I'm 28, my Saturn return hits, and I'm now in the perfect relationship. And like, I like see this going forever. Yes, I love that. And it's it's so much too about like, you know, it's not that you haven't wanted to be in a relationship long term. I think that Saturn placement helped you to recognize when you're like, oh, this person isn't for me. I'm not going to waste my time. So I think that's one of those gifts with Saturn there too. Yeah. Do you feel like that covers Saturn and Capricorn? I just like really feel like to stress like it gets easier when you get older, like once you realize you need commitment and once you start taking it seriously and being with serious people who are just as serious about commitment as you are that's when relationships actually start to work yeah I think that's a really good thing to say one thing that I did want to say that maybe we didn't fully touch on is that you you know you might find that in relationships though because you do take them so seriously like they're although 
you should honor that part of yourself. It is kind of recognizing that like, you know, you are only ever half of a relationship. So I feel like sometimes you might take it so seriously, like, I don't want to hurt this person. Like you have almost fear of like getting close and then you realizing that it's not for you. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there is this aspect of, yes, like honor that need to take relationships seriously, but not so seriously to the point that you kind of feel like you're a bad person if you end up not liking that person a few dates in. Like that's normal and natural. And as long as you're communicating openly, like, you know, you've went in with good intentions and have been, I don't know, very like visible about it, then that's okay. Like not being so hard on yourself to like have to commit to that person if you don't like them. That made me think of another thing. Like I do feel like with Saturn aspects and Capricorn, it's sometimes you can be very critical of yourself and of other people. So really like watching that, like are you telling your partner what to do all the time and like not taking ownership of any of your own actions? Like I feel like sometimes it can just be like, wanting to I don't know criticize automatically criticizing the other person without even realizing you're doing it Mm, yeah like there's such a lesson there with Saturn because Saturn does speak a ton about those kind of harder lessons in life but like you know being in those relationship houses or aspects it's like you have a lesson to first have a relationship with yourself like you're kind of thrown back on yourself And um, I feel like there's a lot of personal responsibility and like learning to be open intimately too, especially if it's like Saturn in the eighth. Mm -hmm. I feel like I had something else to say about the Saturn criticism. Yeah, like holding your partner to impossible standards. Kind of, you may need to get over that. Like, no one is going to be this, like, perfect person that does everything right all the time. And sometimes, especially with Saturn in the seventh house or Saturn connected to Venus, like, that's, you may just, like, feel like the other person. You have this, like, perfect vision of who you want someone to be, and it doesn't always add up. Hmm. I like that. And I I also think, like, that connects with Saturn just being kind of, like, this discipline teacher of the zodiac too so maybe just finding ways that you can use that sense of discipline but like know that you only have so much control over a situation okay let's move on to pluto and scorpio placements because i do notice when i took that poll on instagram majority of people had scorpio planets in their chart which I thought mm-hmm. was so funny because like, I feel Hello, like, it's like me. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally the pickiest <laughs> sign when it comes to dating. Mm. I mean that like even though so I've been with Nick, we've been together almost seven years, but like before him, I did not have another boyfriend. Like he was just like I knew so specifically what I wanted, and it wasn't even like it wasn't even a question. Like when I met him, I was like, okay, he's perfect. Like you know, it's just before that, no one else like compared or like could even like stand up to him you know that's like my boyfriend too like never had like a serious relationship his whole life and now he's 30 and like we found each other and it's like all in Scorpio moon yes it's like when you know you know and Yeah. yeah so to talk about that what we're talking about is like if you have so if you have Venus or the moon in Scorpio particularly or if you have Venus or the moon in the eighth house or Venus or the moon connected to Pluto, conjunct Pluto, opposite Pluto, square Pluto, more honestly, the trine too. I have Venus trine Pluto and I have this a lot. Um, or Pluto in the fifth or seventh house. This tends to come out more, this kind of like, um, how would you describe it? It's like, I literally have like, honestly, all of those every single one of those places you said (laughs) as you said that I'm like oh my gosh um yeah so basically I think with this comes a lot of knowing what you want out of love and I do think when we talked about Saturn kind of being picky it's like Pluto's a bit picky but it's more so being like almost obsessive about that person that you want or like really really feeling like you know, you want this sense that that person is going to be someone who doesn't try to control you, someone who's like 
unequal almost and there's kind of like this obsessive quality of like really wanting to be around that person a lot or like um jealousy can come in a lot or you know like kind of just really wanting that person to be almost someone who you find to be very like someone who you look up to almost in a sense like I'm so proud to call Nick my my partner and I feel like that was always really important to me I feel like though when people are having difficulty dating the Venus Pluto stuff or Scorpio planets those come out more as like secret obsessions with people like kissing someone once maybe and then stalking them for two years like secretly on social media or like having (laughs) a short fling with someone but having not being able to get over it for like such a long amount of time because you just like feel attached to them Mm, yeah so kind of before you find your person almost you could say that that can show up as difficulties kind of I don't I don't know like almost a difficulty in being very secretive about like who you like or what your feelings are or even like I feel like there is a something there about intimacy that you kind of have to get over like there are a lot of intimacy blocks before you find that person and like do that healing work yeah it's almost like I feel with these planets they get drawn to people who are unavailable because they can have that obsession from afar but never have to face the actual intimacy with that person Mm. yes yeah that makes sense I definitely like I my username on Instagram is stock Alice and my whole brand is stock and that comes from having these placements in my chart Venus and moon in the eighth house gives that a Scorpio vibe and I growing up it was like obsessions with guys I was interested in like googling like driving past their house like it knew no limits <laughs> but the guy had no idea I was interested at all mm, yeah so good at keeping your feelings hidden for sure with those placements which I mean obviously you can see how that would not be helpful <laughs> <laughs> and then also I feel like sometimes like with Pluto in the seventh house maybe more specifically or Scorpio on the seventh house cusp um maybe sometimes projecting these controlling tendencies onto a partner and maybe attracting people that are like very intense and try to control you Mm -hmm. yeah like someone who kind of almost like I feel like with those placements you really need to make sure that there is a level of equality in your relationship and you're not putting that person on a pedestal and you're really standing up for yourself or like know who you are before you enter into a relationship if you have Pluto on the seventh Mm mm-hmm I'm trying to think of it when you are able to get over these attachments and like really open up to someone. I do feel like it's more like what you have, Maxine, where it's like there's usually like one relation. Oh, this is what I want to talk about. Another aspect is like every relationship experience with Scorpio or with Pluto aspects is such a big thing of transformation. Like even if you dated that person for like a week and like hooked up a few times and it didn't go anywhere you still feel like you changed as a person looking back and that person taught you something so significant about yourself it's like every relationship is an act of transformation no matter how significant it was or not oh I love that Alice that's beautiful yeah because it definitely relationships are the source of transformation and I think before being in a relationship with Nick, I definitely felt a lot of fear surrounding that because I feel like I knew that once I was in a relationship, it would ask a lot of me from like a point of healing, a point of transforming, a point of like really stepping into my power and like having someone there to kind of like call me out on things, you know? Um, And so, yeah, definitely it's kind of like this hurdle to jump over, but it's It is really helpful once you do allow yourself to be open to that emotional intimacy. It's so transformative, like Alice said. And a good aspect of having Pluto stuff or Scorpio planets is that you're kind of immediately able to sense like if that person is for you or not. And maybe that's why your friends are like, you're so picky, you're so picky, but it's really like you're so intuitive. You know right off the bat if that person's going to work out or not. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of like... I feel like there's some some sign placements like I'll see a chart and this is like what we were talking about at the beginning where like in the dating world people will be like oh no like give that person another chance when you have like Pluto in these areas or tons of Scorpio in your relationship houses 
like you just know immediately like you not giving someone another chance is like almost an act of like self-trust you know yeah and so I think the main takeaway with these placements is like they're and same with Saturn placements honestly is that there may be fewer relationships that you do have in your life like maybe you aren't always involved with someone like your friends might be but the ones you do have are like tend to be more life-changing and like very significant and um yeah yeah that's a perfect summary I like that Okay, and then the next one we're going to look at is Neptune and Pisces placement. So if you have Venus or the moon in Pisces or maybe an aspect to Neptune, especially squares, conjunctions, and um, oppositions, then that this includes you or even having Neptune in the 5th, the 7th, the 12th house, or even the 8th house of intimacy, or lastly, having like Venus or the moon in Pisces. This applies to you. You mentioned Venus and Moon in the 12th house, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this kind of manifests as, um, I feel like the the kind of more difficult way this shows up is romanticizing relationships a lot and having this image of like this fairy tale you want for yourself or like if you like someone kind of jumping way into the future, like going on one good date with someone and being like, okay, this is who I'm marrying. Um, I can see us having kids, like getting just way too ahead of yourself Um, and kind of building someone up and putting them on a pedestal that that person, it's like, it's almost like wanting to live in a fantasy of the relationship rather than actually coming down to earth and being like, this is the reality of what it's like to compromise and work with someone else and have a successful relationship. Mm, Yeah, and it's it's like, for example, I find these people find it really easy to go on dates, but as soon as it's like moving in with someone or things get more serious in any way, it's kind of like you have to look at the relationship more realistically. Like there's just things about living with a person that aren't as glamorous as it might seem. And so I think that is kind of the tricky aspect of it. And it's maybe sometimes wanting to keep people at a distance too, because it's like you would rather prefer that fantasy in your head of like, what, what if, what could it look like rather than like, this is what it is. So honestly, similar to Scorpio having like the daydreamy um, qualities of like, I just want to sit there and daydream about our relationship together, but I don't actually want to do anything about it. Mm, yeah so like love can feel really disappointing I feel like especially before you start to like confront this part of yourself and bring awareness to it it's kind of like exactly like you said wanting to like build something up in your head and just kind of live there um and and sometimes like you're kind of learning to be a little bit more forgiving in relationships but without like losing yourself in it does that make sense like I feel like especially when I see like Neptune in the seventh or Pisces in the seventh for example it's like you really have to get clear in your one-on-one partnerships like who you are going into that because I feel like you have such a tendency to almost become so similar to that person like you take on their music interests or their likes or what they enjoy doing and you kind of can lose sight of what you need and what you like or you end up in a relationship where you're giving and giving to the other person but they're not the right person and it's you lose your identity because you're always going out of your way to do stuff for them um And if a lot of the time, sometimes there's like a draw to people that have a lot of problems, like that could be emotional problems or like addiction problems. And you're like, think you can be the savior who can come in and save them when like, really, it's like, you need to focus on your own shit. You shouldn't be trying to like save other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's such a lesson there to learn. Like you can only ever plant a seed. That person really has to like do that work for themselves. Like, and it's not on you to try to change them. Yeah, it might be that you have this vision of like, this is the potential of what we could be, but it's like, you need to look at the reality. Like this person is not giving you back what you're giving them. And they also have a lot of problems they need to work through maybe. Mm, Yeah. And so for that, I really do think like people with these placements, it's so helpful to create kind of like this group of people who are your trusted advisors, you know, like when it comes to love, like people who can be like, okay, I went on a date with this person, like what do you think? Like, I think he's perfect probably. And then like, you can have people to kind of mirror back to you like, oh, that's kind of, kind of not a great thing that they did actually. Like, or that's a big red flag. Like you can't always see your relationships clearly. 
I actually, to give a personal example of this, because I have Pisces, Moon, and Venus, so I fall victim to this kind of stuff all the time. There was a couple years ago, there was this guy I was working with, and it was like an obsession with him. Like nothing had ever happened, but it was like all like daydreaming about us getting married. Like I worked for this guy, like we were doing business together, and my dad was like, you need to send an invoice and like get your money from him. And I was like, it's fine. Like it's our money. We're going to be married one day. (laughs) And he was like, are you kidding me? Um, and my friends were, had been telling me like the whole time this obsession was going on. Like, this is not the person for you. I don't trust him. This isn't right. And like totally blinded by this fantasy I had. And obviously it didn't work out. Um, and it left me Thankfully. really, yeah, <laughs> thank God. But it left me so deflated and depressed when that fantasy like didn't live up to what I had mm. in my head. Mm, yeah. So like what advice would you have for people with that? You kind of already spoke to it, but like if someone like feels that right now, like maybe all of their friends are telling them like you need to see this clearly, what would you say? I do feel like with Pisces stuff, there is like a level of self-esteem you need to reach. It was like, okay, this guy is not asking me on dates. He's like stringing me along. Like he's not putting in work to be a partner to me. Why am I like going out of my way to have this like wishful thinking of like how it might work out between us? It's like, you really have to face the facts and you also have to stand up for yourself. Mm. Okay. I love that. And I was just thinking like I have Pisces or I have Venus in the 12th house which is like a similar thing of like really romanticizing things and I think the best advice ever is like see their actions like don't listen to what they say like obviously listen but like do their actions match their words yeah exactly like that is just like you gotta rip off the rose-colored glasses with these placements yeah Okay. And then is there anything else you'd add to that, Alice? Because I know you have so much of this in your chart. You probably could talk for like, (laughs) I feel like we covered like the main stuff of that. I I feel like one last thing I might want to say is like, um, I feel like this is maybe a little repetitive, but yeah, meeting someone like loving to build up these stories of how you had a meet cute with someone and like you met someone on a train and it's like going to be a romantic fairy tale. Um, when really it's like, okay, it, every instance in life like doesn't need to be a rom-com oh my gosh I literally was just gonna add it's like you live a rom-com yeah yeah (laughs) and that's not to say like it can't be like perfectly imperfect you know like I think that those people really are like they set the bar so high that sometimes they do they are able to attract and magnetize people who like can meet them there but not in every aspect of life like no human is perfect so yeah there's kind of that work to be done Wait, one last thing I did want to say is that with Pisces planets and um, Neptune contacts to personal planets, it's like needing to bond with someone on like a soul level, like feeling like you are merging as one like soul and like really connecting like so much deeper than the surface. Um, So finding someone that can do that with you. So, so true. And people with this for that reason are really actually good at long distance relationships. Really? I found that to be true, like, for myself. Not It's not that you always, like, want that, but I do find, like, even when Nick and I are, like, in different countries or something, like, I still feel like he's, like, right here. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I guess that is true. I've been able to do that, too. Um, shall we go on to Uranus? So this is actually, like, the last one we're going to talk about. Yeah, so next up we have Uranus contacts to the Venus and to Venus and moon, um, or Venus or the moon in Aquarius or Uranus in the fifth, seventh or eighth houses, um, or possibly even Venus or moon in the 11th house. Cause that tends to give them an Aquarius vibe too. I love how I literally have every single one of these ones in my chart. And I wonder why I was single for like 28 years. Oh my God. Okay. But also that so shows like, I just feel like the things that we struggle with, it is so, it's so much a part of our calling and something where like you can help people through this because you've had examples over and over again of like what doesn't work. So it's like coming from such a sincere place, you know? Like I'm so passionate about this because you can transform these aspects. Like do not let them determine your life like you can work with them 
and ultimately have a happy relationship. Yeah. And like, that's the beauty of astrology, especially it's like makes you so aware. Like sometimes it's easy to just project things onto other people or be like, oh, like, why does this never work out for me? But there actually is so much to be said about looking at your birth chart and at least being able to control like, you know, how you can see yourself more clearly and kind of be alert to like when these things pop up and use them in a more productive way. Also, one more empowering thing to say, I have to say, (laughs) is that you might have these really difficult aspects in your love life, but someone else might have them with career. So just because you think you're doomed in your love life and things are never going to work, maybe someone next to you is like perfectly in a perfect relationship, but has no idea what they want to do for their calling or their career or anything. So like it always shows up different ways in astrology where people are going to struggle and have the most lessons. Mm. And then also with that, I wanted to say what's beautiful and we're not talking about in this episode, but the synastry part comes in because like, yes, like for example, I have Venus opposite Pluto. I'm constantly feeling like, you know, so there's so much fear and love for me. And, but like my partner, Nick, he's like so strong and so stable in that and he helps me through it. So it's like sometimes you're just not meeting the right person yet. And like when you do, they can help you get over these things that you see as obstacles in love. Yeah, like you don't have to have everything fixed about yourself before you meet your person. Exactly. You just maybe have to have some self-awareness. Totally. Seriously, couldn't have put it better. Like if I had waited to be healed, that would never have happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So off that tangent now, um, back to Uranus and Aquarius. <laughs> okay, so what I notice a lot with people, especially with this Uranus aspect in Venus or Moon, um, or Venus or Moon and Aquarius, people being drawn to like unconventional type relationships, maybe where the person is like a little quirky or from like a completely different background than them. Um, or they're just drawn to a different type of relationship, like completely ignoring like normal rules with dating, like maybe wanting to have an open relationship or their sexuality is way more fluid and they might be drawn to different types of people. Um, I would also say one more thing I notice a lot is needing distance and space in relationships too. Mm, totally. And yeah, so for example, I have this aspect, like I have Uranus in my eighth house and I feel like it is kind of really, really, really like where we we're talking about Saturn, kind of you need to get beyond the rule book when it comes to relationships, but you kind of with Saturn tend to want to stick to more traditional means. Like Uranus is like, I do not want to be bound in this like, societal contract of what a relationship has to look like for me like I I don't know like for me it's kind of just like I don't have to put a label on our relationship and like people will always ask me like oh when are you guys like going to get married or something and it's just like that doesn't even it's just like when you love someone and you have Uranus in these placements it's like you're just so happy being with them yeah it's like not following like conventional norms I feel like the way this shows up um more difficultly though for people that are having trouble dating is like being kind of like hot and cold with people you're dating or being very on and off about your feelings or when someone maybe starts to be more emotional and you think they're attached to you immediately getting turned off because you're like too clingy don't want this I need my space and I need my freedom so there definitely needs to be a way where you have a partner that understands this need for space and freedom while still not like jump like losing interest and jumping out of the relationship immediately yeah it needs to be someone I think too who is very like secure in themselves you know and so that kind of can start if you do have Uranus in these placements and you find relationships are difficult to like get off the ground it might help to kind of think okay how can I become really more confident in myself and more independent and like less codependent on others And that's a lesson in and of itself to kind of work through. But when you do, you're like, oh, okay, I know who I am in this relationship and I'm totally confident asking for some space or like, you know, independence cultivated within a relationship. And sometimes if you're not owning your need for independence, you end up attracting partners who are too independent. So like I have this Aquarius seventh house um, and I feel like a lot of the time I was attracting people who were... Mm, wanting to jump into things really fast and then pulling away um, and needing space or not really giving me an explanation for why they were pulling away. So, and I would just become clingier and needier um, until I really kind of recognized 
like I was my own person away from the relationship and I had my own life. I didn't need to like lose myself in that person. I stopped attracting those type of like all over the place type people. Mm. Mm, I like that a lot. Yeah. And so like the key word really for this is like, okay, obviously everyone is wired for connection. Like I really believe that relationships are such a huge source of growth and like healing and, and like we're wired for connection in that sense as humans. But like when you have Uranus in these placements, it is natural. Like it makes perfect sense if you do feel like a little bit of fear associated with it. So it's just kind of like also, I think learning to take a little bit more time getting into a relationship and not rushing into things, kind of like you were saying. Yeah, because like the Uranus tendency could be like, yeah, like I said, like rushing into it and then losing interest just as fast. Like, so yeah, taking time to realize like, is this something, because I feel like when you rush into it, you become so absorbed in the relationship and when it ends really abruptly, it's like, whoa. Mm. And, and also with that too, I see people with these placements, like you need to be friends first. Like there's like for a lasting relationship to take hold, there needs to either be a relationship like that feels just kind of like playful or fun, like there's some degree to having Uranus here also where if you're not feeling like relationships are flowing really easily, maybe you need to just like take more time to develop a friendship too. Mm-hmm. And then what else was I going to say? I feel like a, this is like a really, these are really good aspects for having long distance relationship too because you get that space from someone and you're able to come together. Like you're able to have your own life but then still come together at certain points. Mm-hmm. You can handle it better than other people for sure. Um, and that said too, I was thinking it's kind of interesting, Alice, because both you and I have like this is an example of like I have very strong Uranus, like Neptune, but also Pluto. Like I kind of have like a combination. So on the one hand, like my Pluto aspects make me and Scorpio aspects make me really clingy in relationships. But then like my Uranus is so strong where I'm just like, ooh, too clingy. So it's kind of like it's interesting to look at your birth charts to see how some of these aspects might kind of create like this push-pull tension and just kind of finding ways to resolve that of like giving yourself that space at the beginning maybe and like, I don't know, creating distance when you need it, but also like having that closeness in a healthy way. Yeah, and it just takes, sometimes it just takes like a lot of failed experiences to realize this stuff about yourself. Um, So I wouldn't get down on yourself if you're the last single person standing and it feels like everyone's in a happy relationship, like you, you, like you're working towards that. There's just more stuff you have to learn about yourself through these difficult relationships along the way. Mm, Yeah, totally love that. Was there anything else we needed to add about Uranus Aquarius? I would say maybe like one more thing about Uranus. So kind of mentioning like maybe not wanting to have a traditional relationship, but I also see this a lot of the times when someone either wants to like kind of, it's not like rebelling, but it's wanting to do something different from what society considers like a quote unquote normal relationship or kind of having an unexpected taste in who you're attracted to. But also I think it can be like, maybe you saw your parents' relationship wasn't what it could be and you're kind of like I want to do things differently for that reason too like there's some things that I could kind of improve upon Hmm. that's a good point yeah I'm just trying to think of like how this has come out in my stuff too but I feel like I've already touched upon it mm. well I think it is interesting to think like a lot of people born around 1993 like us Alice um have Uranus and Neptune conjunct so if like that's so true so it's like I mean those are kind of similar in certain ways but it does make it so that way like yes I have Uranus in the eighth house but also I have Neptune so kind of on the one hand if you have this placement it might be like in love you are on the one hand like wanting that thing that's kind of like different but at the same time also um romanticizing it so it's kind of like pulls you again in like two different directions to take that one step further, if you're born in 88, 89, or 90, you have Saturn there too. So Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. If you're a Cancer rising or um, a Virgo rising or what's the Gemini rising, you would have those 
three clustered in a relationship house if you're born in those years. So that's really a mix of energy. Yeah. And I love from like a karmic perspective, it's like having those outer planets there in those relationship houses. It's almost like, um, almost like a potential to develop. It shows you like a lot of lessons. So it's not to say like you're doomed. It actually shows a lot of opportunities will come up in your life that you can work on and resolve these. So like not to feel again, like you're failing. It's actually, that's a source of growth for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as, as each year goes on, like there'll be transits that activate that. So certain years of your life might be more focused on dealing with relationship stuff than others. Mm, you love that. Okay. And also, I think we wanted to add, we're not getting into Chiron. <laughs> we didn't skip it. This was in, like intentionally skipped, actually, because there is so much that we could talk about Chiron that we just want to do it justice in a future episode. Yeah, because Chiron definitely is a source of a lot of relationship anxiety and like um, disappointment, too. But yeah, we think we need a whole episode on Chiron. Because we would literally talk for another two hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we will get to that. So stay tuned with that. Um, and I think, do you want to jump into the Q&A, Alice? Yes. So the first Q&A question we have is, I've always been kind of unlucky in love. Um, I'm a Scorpio. Okay, wait. So I've always been kind of unlucky in love. Is any change in that coming up? I'm a Scorpio with a Taurus moon in a Gemini rising. So I feel like having listened to this, definitely having the Scorpio sun and the Taurus moon, both of those are like very fixed signs. So definitely having this need for control and being kind of more possessive or all in with someone when you're dating them. Um, That might be stuff you have to work with. As for when you might see a change in relationship, I definitely do feel like with that Gemini rising, the final solar eclipse in Sagittarius on December 3rd of this year could activate kind of a new chapter with forming relationships. And on the heels of that, the eclipses are shifting to Taurus Scorpio for all of 2022. So I definitely feel like with your seventh house and then your sun and moon being activated by eclipses in the next year and a half, like stuff's going to take off for you with relationships. Yeah, I love that. And also because, I mean, I feel such an attachment to this question because it's like all my big three, but like shifted. Um, basically, I feel like with the eclipses that you mentioned, Alice, the, the final eclipse is always more significant. So if you feel like, oh, well, I'm a Gemini rising, there have been eclipses happening this whole past year and Gemini and Sagittarius, why hasn't that shifted anything for me in relationships? It's kind of like, maybe really bringing awareness to what's coming up and using the supportive energy and love to be like, okay, maybe nothing has manifested externally yet in terms of like being in an actual relationship, but what, what realizations have I had? Like, how do I want to show up in relationships? What are some relationships in the past that haven't worked out or what, what aspects do I want going forward? So getting like kind of using this time, calling in a partner who is aligned with, what you actually see for yourself and like really working on your self-worth. I love that. Okay, wait. Yeah. And I also feel like sometimes you don't feel it till the last eclipse. Totally. Like maybe nothing happened at the other three Sagittarius eclipses, but something finally happens at the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so curious what degree the Taurus moon is because um, I see so many people get into relationships with like a solar eclipse on their moon. So it isn't, you know, a lost cause. There's stuff coming up. Oh my God. Okay. So the other question we have is, is there only one great time in your chart for the ideal relationship or are there lots of opportunities throughout your life where your chart is ideal for love? I love this question. I would would say the latter, like there's going to be multiple opportunities. And I feel like a lot of people, like, let's say if I gave a reading to someone, I've had some people come back and be like, okay, it didn't actually turn out how you said I didn't meet someone then did I waste my opportunity? And I'm like, no, of course not. Like that was just my interpretation at the end of the day. And it didn't exactly come true as I had hoped, like you get so many opportunities to form relationships. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's something really important to note. Cause like, even as you do have a lot of opportunities like the universe I believe is like always trying to support you and if that's what you want like it will come and trusting that but like you also have to trust your timing and kind of Alice like you mentioned earlier 
if one thing isn't happening, like maybe love isn't huge right now as a focus, but like that's because the world is like, you're going to meet your person through career. So you need to develop that first. Yeah. Like obviously before I met my current partner, like I'd had a lot of relationships happen. Like I had the eclipses in Leo and Aquarius happen across my rising in my seventh house back in 2017, 2018. Like, did I get into a long-term relationship? No, but I had like I guess flings or more relationship activity where it did teach me important lessons about what I do and don't want, even though I didn't get into a relationship. So it's like not all the time is a transit going to mean you meet your husband. Like sometimes it's just like there's more relationship activity where you're learning important things. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And Alice, you're a perfect example of what I had just said, actually. I was thinking because you had to grow your business to have someone randomly reach out to you who follows you to connect you and Jesse. Yeah, like if I hadn't been single for five years, I wouldn't have, um, I probably wouldn't have gotten that job at Vogue because I wouldn't have gone to grad school because I would have stayed in New York to be with the boyfriend at the time. So I went to grad school, I worked at Vogue, I spent a ton of time alone teaching myself astrology. Because I did that, I quit my job, formed a following, became an astrologer, and my boyfriend came from a follower reaching out to me who followed me because of my astrology content. So if I hadn't done any of that stuff for myself, the relationship that I wanted wouldn't have come into my life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that shows up in your chart in a million ways. So I just love the how beautiful and poetic that is, too. But um, (laughs) but yeah, that's a super good example. And I think just like to emphasize, too, that's not to say like even though you will have endless possibilities, it is so helpful to know what transits are coming your way, like either through a reading or looking it up yourself, because like sometimes you do. It is true. You just have like so many opportunities coming all at once. And then other times you might actually feel like there's a little less relationship momentum. Like it's not that you can't get into a relationship, but it just doesn't feel as flowy and easy. So it is helpful to kind of like know what the energy is supporting you at any time. Yeah. So those were great questions. Um, Yeah. So we're at the end of the episode. Thank you guys for listening. And again, we're going to put in the show notes, like the link to Patreon, if you want to sign up there. Um, And we're so happy you guys listened for season two. We'll be back in a few weeks yes season Um, three and also I was going to say like please feel free to keep in touch with us we'll also link our um our Instagram handles below and our websites in case like you want readings with us while we're away um or anything you like want to get in touch with us yay okay we can't wait to share (laughs) with you what we've been working on so excited hope you guys have a good rest of your summer Yes, take care, you guys. Bye.